Vint is the first fully transparent wine investment platform genuinely accessible to everyone. For less than $100, you can own SEC-qualified shares of the best wines in the world. The Vint Wine Investment Podcast offers up-to-date information on the world of wine and investing, as well as current perspectives on our collections and the wine markets in general. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Vint Wine Investment Podcast. Uh, my name is Billy Glenko. I'm the head wine here at Vint. And I wanted to kick off the show with an update on our DRC collection, which, which actually just sold out, and our upcoming Napa Valley collection. So the DRC collection, this was actually our, our largest collection in terms of value. Uh, it was $137,000 worth of wine. Uh you know, it was the highest in value, although it was, you know, only uh, eight bottles total, which is which is interesting for us. Um, but what was also interesting is not only was this high, our highest collection by value, but we also had the most investors we've ever had in a single collection. Um, there were over 100 investors in this collection, uh, which makes it really exciting for us because, you know, here at Vin, our goal is to democratize the wine investment process. So we don't want just a few people coming in and buying a majority of the shares. That's why we have the rules where only, you know, you can only buy up to 20% of any single collection. Um, And yeah, so we're just really excited to see more people getting in on any single collection. And we look forward to, as these collections continue to grow in size, um, you know, making more available to individuals and leaving them open for enough time so that everybody has a chance to uh, grab the shares that they would like. So now that the collection sold out, you know, we can do like a quick little like recap or look back. And it's been an interesting road. This is uh, one of the most exciting collections for me as a, a wine lover and a sommelier. I've, you know, always wanted to work with DRC and, and you know, include these wines in anything that I'm doing. And so we, a few months back, we, we had the kernel of this idea to really, you know, launch a DRC collection. And I, I was really excited when the company kind of, got the go ahead. So we, we started looking and working with our merchant partners of, you know, looking into different channels, seeing where we could find the best value. And, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, we, we decided on DRC, not only because of its prestige and um, historical value, but the, you know, the market for DRC right now was, was the right time. It was, it was on the up, but there's still um, opportunities to find some value. So we worked with our, our partners and we ended up with these, these two, parcels um one being the the drc 2010 drc romani conti and then the other mix pack from 2016 and what really stood out about these two parcels to us was number one you know purely the the qualities of the vintage and themselves 2010 was an amazing vintage and be able to have a three pack in owc original wooden crate from romani conti itself was a great find and we were able to work with uh, the person selling the wine um, through our merchant partners to get a great value for our investors. Um, and then the mix pack was interesting because, you know, 2016 was a dicey year in some parts of Burgundy, which is why they didn't produce a NSO or a Grand SO, um or a Montrachet that year to be included in this mix pack. Um, but the wines that were produced were, you know, not hampered by hail and they weren't hampered by any of the other um, ailments and they were amazing wines and and they're reflected as stuff. So it's it's interesting to see that the the volume overall in Burgundy might have been down that year, but what was made is great. And um, we're really excited to be able to have have had a parcel there. So 
looking forward, not only are are these collections, you know, great finds and values for our investors at the beginning, but looking forward to potential sales down the line, uh, the quality and the value that we're able to source is going to come in um, and be very important. So in addition to having wines from good years and and then making sure that the provenance and everything is is up to snuff, which is a kind of a, a rigorous process that we go through with our investors. The other piece that we want to consider is is like I was mentioning the the makeup of these collections in and of themselves. So something that's really appealing to collectors is or are original wooden crates, um, basically having the wines and the packaging that they kind of came from from the winery. That's the ultimate sign of provenance. And it also means that, you know, you're getting a complete set in the way that the winery intended to sell it. Uh, the other piece is the mix of that collection or parcel and how much was produced in a single year or how much is currently available on the market. So the 2010 Romani Conti, for example, was made in less than 500 cases. Um, and now as 11 years old, you know, some of that's been starting to be consumed. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to continue to be held, but it's, it's fairly hard to find on the market right now, the open market and continually, as we continue to hold this and look towards a potential sale down the line, we're going to be monitoring, you know, market forces, availability on the market, um, values, and all of these will be variables that we consider into a potential sale, keeping in mind that, you know, domain de la Romani Conti's wines on the whole, and especially Romani Conti itself can age for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, even. And you know, still be beautifully drinking and even improving. So we're we're not in any hurry to um, move these lines. And what's what's beautiful with these is, you know, there will there has historically been consistent demand for them, and we will have the opportunity to kind of strike when the iron's hot uh, to get the best value for our investors. And the same kind of goes for uh, the mix pack. The 2016 mix pack is, you know, that's only five years old at this point. So these wines are just beginning to be consumed. They're really just being, um, you know, turning the corner in terms of development and really, you know, drinking in a, a different way than they were as, you know, young, really primary fruit forward wine. So what's exciting here is there, there's strong demand already for those wines in the market and has a complete set of unique wines from five different vineyards. It's a really, or four different vineyards, five bottles. It's it's a really unique offering. And it's just going to continue to kind of come into its own as these different uh, wines basically mature and start bringing on some of these secondary and developmental notes for, for the actual consumers, for collectors. So as people are looking forward to these wines, sometimes they'll pick a mix pack like these and purchase them that maybe they'll let Hosh and the Romani Conti in the box, they'll let you know, age for another five, 10, 15 years, but maybe some of the other wines, um, you know, whether it be the Saint-Vivant or, um, you know, any of the other wines in the, in the parcel, they will drink those earlier. So it's really interesting to be able to offer this mix pack because it can appeal to an investor who wants to maybe consume wines at different stages over time, or kind of have a little bit of um, wines from multiple different vineyards rather than just, you know, really focus on a single parcel. So with that said, the collection is now sold. Uh, we're obviously not looking to hold onto the wines for 15, 20 years as they develop. So, you know, immediately as we do with any collection, you know, these wines are held in proper storage. You know, they're insured. Um, these wines in particular are overseas in London. And we're working with our partners 
from the minute the sales over on you know the investment parts over on our side and everybody's invested in the collection we're we're actually fielding offers and working with our partners to you know monitor the price of these wines in the open market so it's something that we don't really we haven't really touched on before but it's interesting that you know if we got the right offer tomorrow for these wines even though the collection just sold and we could you know offer the the proper um you know kind of sale price for our investors we would actually entertain that and and most likely accept it we're not necessarily holding only purely for a period of time but it just so happens that these assets do appreciate you know historically over this period of time so it's interesting moving forward just to to have that look ahead and just to let you guys know that that's kind of kind of how we view each collection is there is this optimum window but where we are fielding collection offers and speaking with our you know, advisors on a regular basis to identify any market trends that would be beneficial for a potential sale. So now looking forward to our next collection, uh, we have something really special coming up. Um, we've actually been working really closely with a lot of, a lot of winemakers and producers directly on this one. Um, it's going to be a 2018 Napa Valley collection. And know that I'm not saying a Napa Valley Cabernet collection. Um, this collection actually features white and red wine red wines from across Napa Valley. Um, and it, it's a really exciting collection. Um, 2018 was a very special year after years of drought from 2011 to 2016 and fires in 2017. 2018 was kind of this, this godsend rebound year uh, across Napa Valley. And these wines are just now being released. And what's interesting is most of the best wines in the Valley are only available via allocation. You need to be on some sort of mailing list. You need to know somebody. And that's basically how the wines are distributed. You can't really just go to a store and just find one of these wines the next day. So we've worked with our partners to really get the wines as soon as they were leaving the wineries, like almost directly from the wineries themselves um, in some cases. And what's really interesting here for us is with doing so and with having the network of partners that we do, um, and our wine advisory committee, we were able to source some of the best wines from this vintage, from Napa Valley as a whole. Uh, we have three 100-point wines, including a 2018 Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, and, you know, you guys might be familiar with Screaming Eagle from our first collection. It's possibly the most famous American wine uh, flying into, you know, fame upon a Robert Parker review of their 1992 vintage, um, which was their first vintage released. Uh, Robert Parker gave this review in 95. And since then, they've basically been the epitome of uh, Napa cult wines. Something else really exciting that we are um, launching with this collection is the Napa Valley Winemakers Companion Box. Um, this box, we've worked really closely with uh, friends and and connections up in Napa to be able to source some library wines from a number of interesting producers up there, three producers to be precise. And what's really interesting is, you know, a couple of these, we've actually gone to their wineries, tasted directly with the winemaker. Um, in other cases, we've, you know, worked closely with our friends who, you know, are the GMs, the, you know, really kind of high up in, in, in the wineries themselves and are able to have access to interesting, interesting library wines. And when I say library wines, it means wines that have been purposely held back by the winery to age, you know, in their cellars and under their control. So sometimes you'll, you'll find, you know, library releases of the same wine 
are cost more than wines that were released, but are from the same year um, prior. So what's kind of interesting, what I mean by that is wines that have, are from a certain vintage and have been sold on the secondary market, they're not necessarily, you can't tell what happened to them over the time of their lives. You know, sometimes you can't guarantee that they were kept in the right conditions. You can't guarantee that they were, you know, kept laying down or upright if they needed to be. Um, when you get wines directly from the winery and directly from the cellar, you can guarantee provenance, you can guarantee they were under the best conditions, and you can just guarantee the quality of the wine. So we have a box that features three different wines, two bottles of each of these wines from producers throughout Napa Valley. So we have three wines uh, and they're sourced from different AVAs across Napa Valley. And what's interesting here is we wanted to do two things with these three wines. We wanted to give you a sense of the difference between uh, different sub AVAs within Napa Valley itself, which are American viticulture areas, which are basically like little growing areas within Napa that have their own attributes. So we have two, one from Stag's Leap and another from Mount Beater that kind of give you an expression of mountain fruit. And what this means is still ripe, ripe fruit, you know, all the things you look for in a cab, but also this kind of undertone of refreshing acidity and kind of brightness to the fruit. And then we have a Beckstoffer Tokolone from uh, the Judge Palmer, which is really interesting. Um, Tokolone is by far the most heralded vineyard in Napa Valley. Uh, Opus One and Robert Mandavi gets their fruit from there, um, not exclusively, but a large portion of the blend. Um, and then the Beckstoffers farm a majority of it. And they're the most famous farmers of the most famous vineyard in Napa. And these grapes come from their farming. Um, and what's really exciting is this is Valley Floor fruit. So it's a good balance between seeing what's nice and kind of almost more delicate and um, floral, I guess you would say, while still powerful and you know ripe from the mountains. These are like a really, the Valley Floor fruit is very plush and very ripe and very uh, kind of just big. And what you look for in like a really, a really nice Napa cab. So we're able to offer all three of these wines at a, a discount on what you would be able to find them online, uh, which is really exciting. Just by you know working through our network, working with our partners um, at Major Crush, who helped us curate and um, acquire the wines. Uh, they are podcasts that we were on recently. You guys should go check them out. Major Crush Winecast. They're great. Um, Lou and Meredith and, and Lou's wife, Sonia, are, are excellent people. Um, and we were able to source these wines and really give you a sense of these different AVAs and we're able to give you a sense of the wine over the years. The youngest wine in this collection, this little box is 2011. And they, uh, or I would say, sorry for that. The oldest wine in this collection, um, this winemaker's box is from 2011. And the youngest wine is from 2017. And the wine in the middle is about, you know, equidistant, a little, little younger. But um, what's interesting is it gives you a sense of how Napa Valley wines age over time. So when we say 2018 is a good vintage and it's going to be, uh, you know, really showing well for collectors in, you know, five or 10 years or whenever they choose to drink it, uh, you'll be able to see kind of what they would be experiencing if they drank one at these different stages of their lives. So it's uh, something really exciting and it's a, a physical experiential component that we're able to add on top of uh, the regular opportunity to invest in some of the best wines in Napa. So if you're interested in the Napa Valley winemaker's companion box uh i will say that it doesn't come with your investment uh basically there's only actually 12 of these boxes available um they will be available on our um, partner wine 
major crushes website. Um, and so we'll be following up with a little more information uh, through our normal channels on social and on email. But if you're interested in learning more, uh, reach out directly to us um, at vint.co or support at vint.co. Either one, we will answer your messages and um, we can provide more info on how to acquire wines or these boxes in this set. Um, but I, I will say it's not going to go live until probably soon after this podcast goes live. We will see. Um, but, you know, just stay tuned and you guys will get all the information you need. Hi, this is Nick King, co-founder and CEO at Vint. I wanted to thank you all for tuning into the revamped Vint podcast uh, going forward. I'm going to provide a note on each of these podcasts, providing an internal update, what we're working on, introducing new team members, really trying to pull the curtain back on, on Vint for our community. So for those of you who are on the email list, uh, you may have seen a, a pretty big announcement from us this week. We announced our pre-seed fundraise. We raised $1.7 million from top venture capital firms, some really interesting angel investors, and we're really focused on growth. The funny thing about fundraising is you only see the headline and everybody says, oh, it was this great process and it went so smooth, but uh, they are they are lying. It is an arduous process, especially taking on a, a first-time venture capital fundraise. So I wanted to share a little bit with you all about how that worked. So we started fundraising in, in May. We took a one-off meeting um, with, with Slow Ventures. Uh, if you haven't checked out Alton Insights, um, but they are a um, company that Slow invested in their pre-seed. Um, Russ Lieberman connected me with Slow. I met Kevin and um, had a good meeting but they said a little early, I want to see a little bit more. And then I started running a true fundraising process where I took 25 meetings. We got one term sheet. We ended up passing on that term sheet and then started a second process. Um, and the, the funny story was I was up in New York and I was meeting with our now lead investor, FinTech Ventures. And my second time ever in New York, I took the subway, wrong direction, ended up in Brooklyn, made it to the meeting with about five minutes to spare. And five minutes into the pitch, the fire alarm in the hotel went off. So I ended up pitching on the side of the road of South Central Park for 45 minutes. And they ended up leading the round. Um, funny, our first conversation was slow. They ended up investing as well. And we put together a real top tier round of fintech investors, collectibles investors, people with um, great portfolio companies who I view as as partners who we're going to we're going to work with and they're going to help us grow. Um, so all in all, 1.7 million and the two main goals there are marketing and team. So we have made two great hires in the past um, past month. First is, is Brady, who you may have met. He is an investor relations associate. Uh, met Brady about nine months ago, said it was a really interesting product. We stayed in touch and uh, 
I'd say the funny thing about Brady is uh, I think he loves this business more than anybody else on the team, uh, maybe other than myself. He's a true power user of the platform and who better to talk to our users in the community than Brady. And then we also hired Jordan, who will be a growth marketer, and we'll introduce him in a few weeks once he starts. So team and marketing, two uses of proceeds so that we can we can really drive growth. And that's the message. I uh, hope you all can check out the, the Napa collection in about a week from the day that we are recording this. And thanks for being a part of the Vint community. For questions, comments, or feedback on the Vint Wine Investment Podcast, please email us at support at vint.co. To check out our current offerings and to sign up for the Vint platform, find us at www.vint.co. That's www.vint.co. Vint and VV Markets are offering securities pursuant to Regulation A. Our offering circular as amended can be found on the SEC website. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments such as those on the Vint platform are speculative and involve substantial risk to consider before investing. We may provide communication that may contain certain forward-looking statements that are subject to various risks and uncertainties. Information provided in any communications is not legal, business, or tax advice. All prospective investors should consult a legal, tax, or business advisor concerning the subject matter of any communications and any offering. 